Welcome back, everyone, to the TKZ Outdoors podcast. Number two, recording from the Wrong Way Lodge yet again. Um, so, we're back at it, guys. We're here again with Coulter Lubin. I'm Donnie Brown. And the sidekick, Cody Norton. Silent sidekick. <laughs> we're we're going to pry some stuff out of him this time, but, yeah, that's kind of his we'll thing. See. Ooh. Nice, <laughs> nice, nice added. <laughs> so, um, we're here. It's uh, middle of April, Monday, Easter, day after Easter is the kickoff to Michigan's turkey season, spring turkey season, and we're gearing up for that. It's starting to feel a bit like spring outside, finally. I think it was 50 today, or yeah, yesterday. 50. There's only about a foot of snow left in the woods. Um How'd your car do today, Don, for that spring weather? Yeah, the old Saturn. She couldn't make it down the road to camp today. We, uh, we got a little stuck, but, you know. We called the wife and kids, so yeah. they took care of it. Thank you to my wife, Sarah, for bailing me out and bringing the truck down because I blocked the road in. And the, the Saturn doesn't have as much nuts as I thought it said, as I thought she had, you know. She's named the Red Rocket for a reason, but rockets don't take off in mud, I guess. <laughs> so, um, first chance for Cody. He's going to do a little brief introduction about who he was because we seemed to skip over him last time or he just didn't want to talk. So, All right. Go with I'm going gonna, gonna to jump in. All right, so I'm Cody Norton. Um, grew up in the UP since elementary school, about. Um so are you a youper or not a youper? So I, I consider myself a youper. Mm-hmm. So as it's been explained to me, you can become a youper three different ways. You can either be born here, live here longer, or drink a warm PBR at camp. So I fall oh. in Wall. the lived here longer. <laughs> longer than anywhere else. Um, okay. So yeah, so I consider myself a youper. I grew up uh, in the Marquette area shooting red squirrels and chipmunks with red riders. That was definitely my first introduction to hunting. Um, as I got older and could carry a, a real gun, ended up, uh, did a lot of pheasant hunting with my dad. He's from downstate farm country, so he was, he was, uh, he was big into pheasant hunting at the time. And when he came up here, he never really got into grouse and chasing them through dog hair thick aspen. So we, we chose the fields <laughs> for pheasant. Uh, always had a lab or two around, uh, which has been, which was great growing up. They're great house dogs and great hunting dogs. And then, I mean, once I turned 12, I could bow hunt for deer. And shooting my first deer from a ground blind with a bow was probably the, still the most exciting moment uh, in my hunting career. And it's been, it's been awesome ever since. So uh, you youpers though, was that in July or did you get that during the <laughs> <laughs> season? No, no screwing spikes for me. So, <laughs> uh, so yeah, I mean, I've been I've been hunting hunting deer and small game ever since, and especially in the last three or four years, I've been getting really into trapping. It's something I've been interested in for a long time, um, but I never really had anybody to show me, and so I'm finally feel like I can kind of call myself a trapper and starting to actually catch stuff instead of just putting sets out and having them uh, be empty constantly. So that's kind of, I think, my unique thing for TKZ, something hopefully I can bring to the table and hopefully going to film a little bit this fall and maybe 
maybe come up with an episode or or a series out of it. We'll we'll see. Don says I got to start pulling my weight, so <laughs> we'll, we'll see how that goes. But but that's that's me. I'm I'm Cody. I'm a I'm a youper by my reckoning, and uh, we have a lot of fun putting stuff together. So. All right, good yep. intro. Nicely done. <laughs> I like it. And Coulter, still single, still loving life. Oh, that's where it's at, man. Got two dogs. Rock Michigan's most eligible bachelor people. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm not saying that's saying a lot, but that's very accurate. <laughs> I really appreciate that. Yep. Look him Consider- up on, he, he'll, he'll get you on Facebook. He's that guy. So. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, don't worry. He'll find you. He'll find you. <laughs> Even if he doesn't know you. Hey, no. Come on, guys. It's a little rough up here in the UP. <laughs> Coulter just got over being sick for about a week. Had to go drop him off his can of chicken soup because he's got no no wife or girlfriend to take care of him. It's this old Don to the rescue. His so. dog can't drive. So. <laughs> it would really hit a low in my life last week. <laughs> Thursday night at 3 o'clock in the morning, I'm up. I texted two people. I texted Don asking if he would be kind enough to drop off some Gatorade and soup. And I texted my mom, and I told her how much pain I was in. I texted your mom, too. <laughs> wow, thanks, Cody. I'll have to let her know. Well, Cody's not getting ba- He's not being bashful this time, everybody. Wow. <laughs> That's why she took so long to text me back. But. <laughs> but. Sorry, Mrs. Lubin, if you're listening. I know you're a frequent flyer on the TKZ Outdoors podcast here. So, um, So I guess that concludes our introductions here. Way to get it rolling. So, the biggest thing we got coming up, I guess, and what we're excited about is turkey season. Like I said, turkey season starts off Monday the 22nd. We'll all be hunting here in the UP. Um, and with the spring weather, it's finally feeling like turkey seasons. There's been birds strutting out in the fields, and we all got our spots narrowed down and ready to go for opening day, as ready as we can be. Um, We're not serious turkey hunters, but we love to do it, and it's a lot of fun. I've been turkey hunting for, oh, man, close to 20 years now since I was 12, and now I'm 31. What the freaking hell is that about? But Old man. Yep, still learning stuff every year. It's definitely not what I consider a pro, but we get lucky once in a while, especially when those jakes like working your sets. (laughs) So... What about you two? What's your story? What's your turkey story? Cody, you were into talking. You can start. All right. I'll jump in. Um, I, I messed around with it a little bit, you know, over the years, uh, especially with when I had friends who were, who knew what they were doing a little bit. Um, but really, I, I didn't shoot my first bird until a couple years ago. On with, camera. With Don on camera. <laughs> yep. So I just I just shoot stuff. I don't I don't film. <laughs> so I got I got to change that. I guess. Hired gun. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I shot my first Jake two years ago um, with Don on camera. It was pretty neat, very fun. Biggest uh, Jake fun you've thing. ever seen? About what? Yeah. Was that, four or five inch beard. That was a five inch beard. I think. Yeah. Not a not a full fan, but the Jake last year had a full fan and a little three inch beard. So yeah. <laughs> it's pretty yeah. exciting. But we were able to double up last year. So. I've actually only shot a turkey out of a tent, which is probably opposite of most people. Um, and so we've tried running and gunning. I've gotten to do that a little bit and, and seen a couple birds within maybe 50 yards doing that in thick cover. But it's been a lot of fun, but I, I haven't sealed the deal that way. So we'll see how, how this spring shapes up, if we can 
get one in a tent. It sounds like Don's gonna maybe try it out with a bow this year. I'm gonna use my grandpa's old uh, moxie old archery. Gauge. <laughs> so we'll we'll see how that goes. But uh, it's been a lot of fun actually getting to kind of target them and and uh, get on them. So we'll see. How about you, Colt? So really, I I never turkey hunted growing up. I grew up in Southwest Michigan where we do not have a lack of them. They were around all the time growing up. My grandpa always had fifty to a hundred of them around his house. But for whatever reason. Nobody in my family, I don't know anybody that's ever shot in a turkey in my family, um, and we're not, and there's hunters in my family, just turkey hunting wasn't wasn't what we did. I was a huge baseball player growing up, so of course this time of year we were usually super busy in the middle of you know our high school or middle school or whatever age I was, season, so just kind of, and then when getting into college, I was always uh, playing baseball too, so I really, I'm fairly new to turkeys. We just started, uh, man, I think I've shot in four birds total. Um, I can't say every one of them was your typical, like what you would want to put on film turkey hunt. I shot one out of my backyard in my pajamas, <laughs> but I was outside when I shot that bird. And I also, we did a turkey drive one year and we got which, a turkey off a turkey drive. Which pajamas were those? Were called? they camo pajamas at least? Yeah. No, they were plaid pajamas. Ooh. Ooh. See, that's, yep. that's hunting. You know, traditional no, 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 traditional but, but, but listen colors. To this. Listen to this. I woke up. It was during turkey season. You know, legal. Got it. Turkey season. I woke up. And so to go with this, I had been turkey hunting this, this season I got this bird. And I've been quite frustrated. I called in a couple sandhill cranes and just <laughs> struggled with the whole turkey thing. And I woke up and I'm going to, you know, get some coffee ready for the morning. I look outside. Holy cow. There's two hens. Look at the beard on that one. Yeah, pretty nice Tom sitting underneath the bird feeder. And I look in my gun cabinet. Now, I'm not saying I would have shot that bird from the house, but I need to at least make sure I had a weapon within reach. There is no guns in my house that I can legally shoot a turkey with. They were all in my garage. So I scampered to the garage in my pajamas and flip-flops. And uh, at this point, I had alerted the birds they had, <laughs> they had, had moved back to the tree line, which was 60, 70, 80 yards from the house. I grabbed my gun in my box call, and I sat on the other side of the house, and I <laughs> called these birds back in. And I ended up shooting a tom that way. So I have called in a turkey. If that is not the most you for turkey story <laughs> I've, ever, but, I've ever heard, but I don't for, know what it works, right? But for our listeners... Part of the reason I have not always or at least recently been a diehard turkey fan unless I'm with – or turkey hunter unless I'm with somebody is I'm very deaf. <laughs> I have hearing aids, so I have a very hard time hearing birds. So now I go out with people that love to call, and I will gladly kill a turkey. And that's what I did last year. I shot a turkey that somebody else called in for me. So luckily I can still see. So I was, able, <laughs> I was able to shoot a turkey. So. But we're looking Perfect. forward to it. I can't wait to film this year, and I'm actually going to attempt to get one with my bow this year too. So I'm pretty pumped for this upcoming turkey season. I will probably have camo on and not be in my yard when I kill a bird this year. We'll see.
<laughs> Last week, we'll see. If you still got any around your yard, you know, after a couple of days, let us know. There is, one with a, there is one with a 12-inch beard strutting around my house. Not bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we might get that one. We just might be outside in the camo this year. Wow, that's quite a story. <clears throat> so, I wanted to get back to something you first said. Is I grew up turkey hunting the thumb on the east side of downstate, lower peninsula. And when I first started turkey hunting, you could go a whole season and not see a turkey. And now they're everywhere. You can't go a field, drive a field this time of year and not see turkeys strutting out in it. And it's kind of like it is all across the nation. It's just one of the better conservation success stories with the reestablishment of the wild turkey. Um, In Michigan here, we have a whole bunch of different seasons for both public and private land. You get into the northern lower in the UP. The UP is one season for the entire length of um, number of days of turkey season. It runs from the 22nd of April until the end of May. So that's kind of what appeals to us rather than going and chasing birds like we might do for deer downstate or I might do for deer downstate or in other states. But you get that whole, what is that? Over it's five weeks, five weeks to hunt turkeys and it's pretty it makes it very flexible on us and you can hunt public and private land up here it's good for anywhere where there's turkeys downstate's different um northern lower has some different seasons public land permits are different than private land maybe um, especially in the southern lower peninsula but in michigan it's there's opportunity there if you want to get into it It, you can get a tag for almost any part of the state and for any season you're still only allowed one time per spring yep yeah. There's one bearded turkey. bearded turkey. One bearded turkey. Yeah. So I've seen some hens with beards, yeah. but... And that is legal. <laughs> some women, too. Yeah. <laughs> Back to the whole UP thing. Not the... <laughs> that you yeah. Love it up here. Would it rather be, would it rather be any other place? Easy but, for you to say with a wife and kids. Yeah. <laughs> From yeah. downstate. <laughs> all the all the kids are youpers. You gotta give yeah. them that. Yep. They're, they're yep. born and they're born and true youpers up here. Yeah, but absolutely. They'll be the youpers long and long before their dad is, I guess. <laughs> according to your except for the PBR thing, that might already been done once or twice, mm. but <laughs> doesn't apply to me. <laughs> but uh so I guess in Michigan, yeah, there's plenty of opportunity to to hunt birds, and in the springtime, what else are you going to do? I mean, there's some things going on, but to hear a turkey gobble on the roost or gobble at to you, it's just, it's so different. It's so much, it's fun. I don't know how else to describe it. It might be the most fun I have hunting now is turkey hunting. Deer hunting is great, and I love it, but you don't communicate them with them like, you do a turkey, especially in Michigan, you yeah. rattle at a buck and it runs in the other way, or you grunt <laughs> yeah. at them and they, they, I've grunted at a three and a half year old eight pointer that's probably 130 inches and watched it turn tail and sprint away <laughs> during the rut. I don't understand it, but turkeys is not so much. They, they like to play the game when you get them in the right mood and it's just, it's a blast. So, um, what do you guys do? Let's talk about techniques. How do from, I hunt them? From the TKZ oh. outdoors, Uper staff, and all the turkey slaying that we oh. love to do. So, the, so when I, outside of the pajama thing that I said. <laughs> you um, know, besides backyard hunts. <laughs> it's an important technique. Other, other than the, out the window. Um, no, actually, last. <laughs> or not. Or not out the window. <laughs> not out the window. 
But no, um, the past few years I actually have uh, been been turkey hunting uh, pretty hard, and I've been going with some people that um, are are good at it and have done it for a long time. And one of those, actually, one of my first ever, yeah, my first ever turkey um, was in uh, Delta County up here in Michigan's Upper Peninsula. It was with a biologist I was working with, and he's an avid turkey hunter, and um, went out with him and. We got out, you know, early in the morning, and, and he he roosted them the night before. I didn't go with them, but he roosted them, so we, we kind of knew where they were, and we got out there that morning, and we actually set up too close to them. We set up right underneath them, um, but they ended up uh, flying down, and um, we, you know, he was able to uh, to call them in. So we, I guess, quite a bit here in the last couple of years, we've tried that. We've tried to roost them at night and figure out where they were and just get you know close to them in the morning. But then also with these um, these farms that um, I have to hunt with a friend of mine that, that loves to turkey hunt. He actually has his has his grand slam, um, so he's he's all about calling birds and shooting birds, and so it's been great to go out with him. And we um, a lot of times we'll go out after work, um, and just try to get in uh, hunting when we could. And we have these farms where there's a lot of roads and there's a lot of you know uh, two tracks going through the farm. So we would really just drive around until we saw the birds. And we would just try to figure out a way that we could we could get close to them without them seeing us and try to call them in. And that's how we went through a lot of last year. So you're basically up. trying to spot and stalk turkeys without the stalking part. But yeah. you're not just blind calling and setting up on the edge of the field. You're driving around locating them and then setting up. Kind of like running and gunning on private land. Basically. That's pretty much what yeah. we, that's how we hunted all of last year. We pretty much just would go out after work, 4.30, 5 o'clock. Afternoon hunts. Afternoon hunts. We went out a, little, out a little bit in the morning, but because of where each of us lived, it required us to get up so early and we would risk kind of just missing the beginning of work and we really didn't have that um, opportunity as much. And so we would just go out after work and we would pretty much, yeah, I guess you could say run and gun in these farms that we had. And we had you know, 1,200 to 1,400 acres that we had to hunt all connected. So we kind of had that opportunity and tons and tons of birds on the on these properties. Nice. Yeah. That kind of varies a little bit. Me and Cody have been hunting together the last couple of years, trying to get some youper birds on the ground. And uh, our tactics are kind of similar, but kind of totally different. We have a couple of private parcels where you can hunt, but they're small acreages, they're 40s. And the one we've been most successful at is a cow pasture, and there's no trees to set up in, and the birds hang out in the middle of this pasture pretty much all day in and out. And so we've been doing the tent thing, and the tent thing is is my least favorite way to hunt turkeys. I like to kind of get around and sit at the base of a tree and, and shoot them or hunt them that way, and that's what's most fun, but... You got to do what works. You can't sit on a metal fence post that's electrified in the middle of a cow pasture and expect to shoot a turkey. And I'm not about to hop out of a, a, hay, a hay bale in the middle of a field and try to pop one as it walks by. But um, Yeah, it's, it's taken us a couple of years to kind of figure out how to hunt them, at, especially at the one property where we've killed three birds in the last two years. And at the beginning, you know, we were trying to set up decoys and call them off to the edge, but... As of, you know, two days ago when we scouted it out, there were probably 50, 60 birds there. So those toms... Still you, windered, flocked up. and then Yeah. They yeah, might break up a little bit by Monday, but not yeah, much. But yeah. they just... 
that's what they do there, eh? They they they, uh, they flock up and they're big groups of birds that just kind of wander about in the middle of the pasture. So yeah, it's hard to call them over to the edge. They're just not coming. When so. they're in those big groups and there's toms and they have hens galore, they're not about to break off to check off the the one Jake and his little hen over in the corner. So <laughs> yeah. do you guys set up that tent like days and days ahead of time to get them used to it? Or no, just... no. What we've that been is just that morning is setting it up and turkeys are are a lot like not as wary as deer i guess and i'm sure all you guys and girls out there that hunt them do the same thing but you can set up a, a tent in the middle of a field and they'll still walk by it the same day whereas the deer in michigan especially if you set up a tent 300 yards away it seems like they're stomping and snorting <laughs> they're <at> on it. It, yeah. <laughs> just by visuals it's, it's nuts how much they've adapted to that but yeah. um yeah and for i mean for that 40 acre cow pasture that we're hunting we basically gotta set up a tent on their travel route and ambush them i mean we really can't call them over we'll put a couple decoys out and they seem to be interested right. in that but it's it's completely different it's yeah you're, you're basically it's, it's similar to deer hunting right i deer, mean you're trying to ambush them when they come through and if that flock gets yeah. close enough you're you can pull birds off the flock like we did last year they'll come check you out for a second and then they'll go back to the flock, and that's what happened to yeah. me and Cody a couple times last year, and you'll see in the upcoming TKZ hunt how we screwed up on two doubles of, <laughs> of times before we finally popped yeah. some jakes that really worked the set, but that's what we did. We called them over, and uh, yeah. um, they played the game, and we just couldn't coordinate because... Two guns and one camera all on them at the same time. It just never worked Didn't out. Yeah. <laughs> um, but and then another strategy we've been doing on public ground mostly is running and gunning. We try to we try to find spots where we know there's birds, and we'll we'll drive, find sign, or just get out and call randomly and hope to trigger a gobble and then set up you know accordingly. Um, and we like Cody said earlier in his turkey talk there, we've had some success with that, but. And by success, I mean we've had turkeys gobble and call them in. <laughs> think just, about just coming in. <laughs> think about coming in. And we did have one in range, but it was silent. And after a while, we stood up and twenty yards away, here goes this turkey. And that would have been that would have been Cody's first bird, and that would have been pretty special. But yeah, having time constraints kind of yeah. limits you a little bit. Work gets in the way of having a lot of fun. I can tell you that. <laughs> yeah. But I'm gonna have. We're going to start this new new session <laughs> two episodes into the podcast just to involve the silent one even though he's talking quite a bit today which is which is good cody's corner and he's going to give a little brief history of the turkey hunt of so turkey like hunting this cody's and the corner is this supposed to be like the upper intelligent level or what what are we getting you know or is this just That's, you know what they say the silent ones are usually the smartest ones yeah. you know what i mean they kind of rather stay silent and and not what is the abraham lincoln quote i'm trying to think of not be thought a fool rather than to open your mouth and remove all doubt wow mm. <laughs> maybe you're the smart one it's impressive no huh. i had to, gonna say he's, giving, second, he's giving me compliments this time colt not you i haven't got one yet <laughs> keeping my compliment yeah, we're I gonna figured. kill out the don compliment tally i'm at a big zero <laughs> so far so i'm gonna try to keep it that way today <laughs> but uh so i'm gonna I'm let you enter cody's corner 
and he's going to talk a little bit about the history of the wild turkey here in Michigan. Take it away, uh, Cody. So I'll, I'll regurgitate some numbers here. Um, so as, as you guys know, turkeys kind of had a rough go when we had uh, market hunting and, and people harvesting a lot of different bird species for feathers, right? So they, they kind of crashed after... When was that? That was as, as like know. before, like probably around 1900. Like yeah. when, when colonists, even when colonists came, you know, we, we kind of talk about birds and the, the turkeys and, you know, before, I think before colonists actually came here, we, I think it's estimated we have like 94, 95,000 turkeys on the ground. In Michigan? Th- throughout the U.S. Through the U.S. I believe. Oh. Nope. Michigan. They were looking so good before that, were they? Just kidding. Just kidding. So like yeah, yeah. just shy of 100,000 in Michigan. Just the, yeah, just shy. pre-colonization. Yeah, pre-colonization. Before we came and screwed decided, everything decided up. To so, shoot everything. Yeah, yeah. So before money got involved, you know, there was there was a good population of turkeys, and then when unregulated honey comes in, obviously it gets might get driven by greed and stuff, and it's unregulated. Just, just and ask the buffalo and the passenger pigeon how that went. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> turkeys fared similar to those, um, but by I think. In Michigan, it was around 1980, where the DNR and some of their uh, partners actually started trapping birds and, and bringing them in and bringing turkeys in. So to kind of compare for you guys, um, in like the late 1970s, before birds started being brought in, if you were to apply for a license, you had about a 25% chance of actually getting one. When I started hunting, you... It still I mean, wasn't you still right? guarantee tag. There was years where we, me and my dad, and we didn't get tags. You know, it took a while before you that were getting been that in tag. The early two thousands, late nineties, probably late nineties. Late nineties, yeah. Ninety nine is when I could start hunting. Yeah. yeah. Legally. Legally. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> carrying my own gun instead of just the box call. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe empty, but still carrying it. Yeah. Uh, but then, yeah, still, still the late seventies. If you were lucky enough to draw a tag, you still only had a 10% chance of actually killing a bird, which isn't great. So 90% of the hunters who drew a tag did not go home with a bird. And all the birds harvested in the state of Michigan added up to about 400 turkeys. That is not a lot of turkeys. No. So if you compare that to today... I would never shoot a turkey back then. <laughs> no, no, exactly. <laughs> Me and you both. So today, if you fast forward to today... A hundred percent, if you apply for a turkey tag, you're going to get one. That's what it comes down to. A hundred percent of the turkey tag. And then and again, you, we're talking, this is spring season. Spring, yep. Spring sorry. Season. Yep, spring. Yeah. Although fall, at least Fall's in the UP, fall is guaranteed. Yeah. And if I think you, downstate, yep. most yep. of it. Usually but, tags are more liberal in the fall because you can harvest female turkeys. Yeah, you can haul, yeah. So you probably have a higher, I don't, I don't know what the success rate would come out to be because people probably don't take it as seriously in the fall right a lot of people probably just have a a tag in their pocket when they're deer hunting see what comes through but but yeah if if you apply for one in the spring you should get one 100 percent um and then even if you wait and don't apply and buy one over the counter you still probably got pretty good odds and in the up i think it's about guaranteed i haven't bought i haven't bought my turkey tag yet no yeah (laughs) but you're gonna get one because because it's just a lot left over yeah Yeah. Yeah. and so the thing in michigan though too is there's guaranteed hunt periods too sure yeah where you don't even have to apply they're there for you to buy downstairs yeah 
you can buy it that oh, on two thirty four is the whole state. Pretty oh. sure. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, it might so, not apply to public land in the southern lower, like the more intense. Yeah, yeah, where there's a little areas, more pressure. But like yeah. up here, northern lower unit ZZ private land two thirty four is good for. You don't have to buy for it; you okay. just buy it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It makes sense. And uh, so, if you're you know lucky enough to get one, which everybody should be, um, your hunter success is over thirty percent. So three times what it was back in in the late seventies. With that many more people on it. Yeah, oh yeah, with way more people hunting, way more birds being harvested. So the amount of birds harvested now in the state of Michigan is over 30,000 every year. So you compare that to 400 in the late 70s. So a night and day difference. So in less than 50 years, you're going from 400 birds to 300,000. 30,000, sorry, yeah. Close. What did I say about good. opening your mouth and not being a fool? We're in, co- yeah, we're in Cody's corner now. Right. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, just emphasis. A lot of birds now. Yeah, absolutely huge, huge difference. And what's cool is in the UP, I think we see. I mean, pretty much every year we can see turkeys march a little bit farther north, and we're. I mean, we see them, you know, on the on the Lake Superior shoreline, right? Like. Yeah. And not train. It's some of these areas that you typically have not had birds even in the last maybe five to ten years. Right. And and we're seeing them now. And it, it's it's pretty cool to see. So And we were talking earlier today, Cody, about the snow this year and how oh, yeah. even in the banana belt of the UP, which if you're not familiar with, never gets usually more than a foot of snow on the ground at one time. And this year the whole UP, even southern Menominee County had two feet plus on the ground up north four or five feet on the ground on the level double the amount of snow and they're the birds are still here this year i mean they look to be doing pretty good from our scouting but yeah yeah don and i went scouting a couple days ago and we had over 100 birds you know just cruising around some of the areas that we're looking to hunt and yeah i mean it was they definitely didn't look to be in any shortage (laughs) from a severe winter so strutting and giving their all so oh yeah kind of a neat another success story i mean you wouldn't think that you think it'd be you know that much snow a turkey can't feed and yeah they'd be done yeah Yeah. they're they're still around so tough bird Cody's Corner. That's everybody. That's it. That that's, is that's it. Thank you. First version of it. Beautiful. <laughs> Beautiful. I love yeah. it. Not so bad, man. I like it. With that, the end of the turkey talk here is uh, we're still releasing videos. Um, TKZ Outdoors on YouTube. We have a couple more fresh ones still left this season. Three more? Two more? I think it's two. I'm not sure. 100% sure. Yeah. How many? There's been four. There's been four. They've all been awesome. Yeah. But there's a couple more that I know of for sure. There might be another one, but. Youper one's coming yet. The big Youper Jaker Takers is coming up. That's the last episode. It's going to air after the start of the season. So we'll have another one. They've been airing every Tuesday. Check them out. New new episodes and a couple left, and then we'll get into writing to making new ones here. So, um, and that's gonna be it for turkeys. And then we're gonna we're gonna transition here 
into another spring activity that's near and dear to a lot of Michiganders' hearts, and that's spring fishing. Um, you're cooped up all winter, right, Coulter? Especially yes. in a winter like this where it's been nuts. And even the ice fishing started off hot and got pretty poor during the middle season. And it was tough. Terrible was conditions. Tons of snow. Lots of snow, slush on the ice. And thick, thick ice. It was, just, it was a tough season, and the fishing kind of reflected that. But everything's starting to melt finally. The rivers are flowing. The ice, is, the ice is starting to leave. The it bays is. and stuff, finally, kind of slowly but surely. I've heard reports up in the Keweenaw Peninsula, they're actually getting boats out, yep. which is pretty neat. Yeah, they're getting boats down in, down in my area too, down south towards Wisconsin. Little Bay to Knock? Or further south? Further south than Little Bay to Knock. Okay. Little Bay to Knock, it can happen. It can happen if a guy wants to go do it. But, uh, but yep, it's, it's, spring is here. It's almost May, so we would hope it would be here. It's coming. It's coming. Coulter here is our, is, he's kind of along with another group, another guy in our group, Ryan Swirly. He, he did a lot of bass fishing growing up. And he has the big bass boat and all that stuff. But Coulter here is our resident fisherman. Um, still hasn't taken me out yet, even though I love to <laughs> fish and I slay smallies like nobody's business. But I, just, I must be too good for his boat. He doesn't want to be outfished. Well, so, so Don, no, you're right. I have not taken you out. and it's You're it's, right that I can outfish you. No, no. So what I was going to say is that Don has been fairly... As you just heard, confident in his ability to catch <laughs> for everything, <laughs> so, so, and, and specifically these smallmouth bass. He keeps telling me, "Oh, I'm I'm good. I'm all I need is one." Lure. I'm I'm real good at this. <laughs> so I've kind of you know, it's like when you're a friend with somebody, you like to see them, you know, uh, confident, right? You don't like to see them at their low point. And I feel like if I put you in my boat and we go fishing together. You think I'll hit my low you point? You are going to be saying? at a very low point in how badly you will be outfished. I don't think that's the case at all. Okay. Well, we'll have to check out this spring. But going on you to that. You have to finally invite me fishing. <laughs> so, um, yeah. We've been at the same boat camp and still didn't get to go fishing nope. with him. I know, right? We just sat on shore watching him fish. <laughs> <laughs> but no, so... Uh, <laughs> so Don here is right. I am a pretty avid angler. Um, I haven't always been a big bass fisherman. I grew up bass fishing, but not to the seriousness that I do at this point. Um, and I think part of the reason I've become so passionate about it and gotten so involved in it is because we have a fishery right here um, near where I live, um, the Bay's Danak. Um, many people are familiar with Little Bay and Big Bay. Um, Dinox because of the walleye fishery. It's been a very um, great walleye fishery for many, many, many years. Um, old timers that, that I know that are long gone were here walleye fishing. And it's still a great walleye fishery. I'm not taking anything away from it, but it's just not my thing. Um, it's not what I enjoy doing out here. It's the uh, the bass fishing. And the smallmouth fishing on the bays to knock, especially in the springtime when those fish are up shallow and they're spawning, can just be unbelievable. If you guys have never fished smallmouth in the spawn before, you're missing out. It is yeah. one of the funnest things you can do. And I think what is cool that Michigan did, and there, there's a little bit of argument, a little bit of debate out there about it, but just three years ago, 
Michigan opened up their bass fishing all year round. And when I say that, that doesn't mean you can keep bass all year round, but it's they have a um, catch and immediate release season now. So the season for, for um, taking bass and keeping them still does not start until the last Saturday in May. But prior to that now, you can go out and fish. You can target bass, um, but you just need to um, release them immediately. So you can't you know, put them in your live well. Um, tournament structures are different when they do have tournaments during that time period because they, they just need to be caught and put back. And it's just an unbelievable time to catch and put bass right back. I mean, you... I mean, people would be, and, and some people know about it, but when I take people out and they see their first, like, five and a half, six and a half pound smallmouth, they're just like, holy cow. And it's, and there's, there's tons of them. I mean, you can see them, you can see them on their beds, you can see them um, swimming in the shallows, and it's just an awesome time of year, you know? I mean, these guys get excited about turkey season, and I love turkey hunting too, but right now I'm just raring to get out on the bay. I mean, of course, it's, you know, with the ice still out there, it's still a little cold now, but... I would say within, you know, two weeks, we'll be um, bolting lots of smallmouth and some really quality smallmouth up here. So With your friends here on the podcast, right? <laughs> Don is probably going to get his heart broken this year because I'm going to invite him onto my boat. At least I'll have the opportunity. You will. You will. Right. I'll even let you use my poles. I don't want to use your poles. I need my one, one pole. My no one, worms. My no live bait. I, don't, I haven't used live baits no since live. I was a yonker. <laughs> no live bait. So, Nothing against live bait fishermen, but on my boat, live bait for smallmouth. So, Colt, do you ever keep any smallmouth? Not unless they eat any. Not unless they die. Yeah. So yes, okay. I have each <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> No, and, and and nothing against people that do keep bass because I I understand it. You know, if it's within the legal limits and it's within a legal season, there's nothing. But for me, and just kind of the way I am now, and, and how much I care about it, I just have made in a kind of a decision that I throw all bass back, and it has nothing to do with how you know what they taste like because you take a Lake Michigan smallmouth especially right, you know, in the beginning of season, you know, beginning of the keep season in late May, early June. I mean, I'm not going to argue that that's not a great table fare, but just me personally, I've decided to, to throw them back unless, of course, I get a, you know, get a deep hook on a fish, you know, it, rather than it throw it back and go belly up, I guess I, you know, have thrown a fair share of those into my live well. So. Okay. Yeah, I grew up yeah. wading in Lake Huron, and it's, those early season through June, beginning of July, before the water really warms up, out there standing in your tennis shoes and a swimsuit, just slamming smallies. <laughs> There's been days I've had 70 fish in four hours. It's one after the other. It's just it's so much fun. It's a great. It's a, just a great way to get someone into fishing, and it's easy to do. You don't need a lot of money or a boat even if you're waiting. You just walk out there with the with the lure, Rapala or. Rapala, or however you pronounce it, and, <laughs> or tube jigs, I guess. Those are pretty huge nowadays, oh, and huge. you can slam these fish, and it's a, it's a lot of fun, and I've done quite a few shore lunches as well, and they're delicious. So, yeah, And that's what I think that, you know, as Michigan, if you, you know, if you kind of pay attention to, you know, obviously we're all based out of Michigan here, but if you look, like, kind of on a map and, and you see where Michigan ranks when it comes to, you know, uh, um, smallmouth fishing um, and bass fishing, you know, we're, we're on the national stage. And obviously we're not for largemouth because, of course, they grow a lot bigger down in, you know, Louisiana, Texas, Florida, you know, Alabama. But when it comes to smallmouth fishing, um, you know, some of, you know, Bays to Knock, Lake St. Clair, Clair. 
Um, I mean, we're it's some of the best smallmouth fishing in the nation. So if you if you haven't given it a thought or given it a look, there's there's you know lots of charter businesses, but then there's just lots of opportunity out there that's just really not that difficult. I mean, I like to think that catching big smallmouth is difficult, and they are during certain times of the year, but that doesn't mean you can't go out and just, you know, have a lot of fun. There's a lot of great inland lakes, rivers, and even, you know, and of course our big lakes of, of Lake Michigan and the surrounding areas, surrounding bays. It's just phenomenal fishing, so I encourage people to get out there and give it a shot because it's a, it's a blast. I'll throw out there, too. Last, uh, last summer, a buddy of mine, Jesse, took me out on the somewhere on the Escanaba River <laughs> and we were catching brookies, browns and smallmouth all in, all the, in the same, same water. same pool, same ripple. I mean it was it was awesome. So I mean there's and we were just wading down. We didn't have a boat, didn't have anything. We we're wading through and having a good time. So it's it's not hard to access at least some of them. So and lots of good yeah. inland lakes throughout the state too that have great smallmouth fishing. Tons of them. Northern lower, some spots here in the UP that will go unnamed. <laughs> yes, unnamed. Unnamed. But, so, bass fishing. Lots of fun, lots of fighting. Um, if you've never hooked them, they jump, they fight. There's nothing much better that fights than a smallmouth bass. With that, though, um, more fishing. Lots of fishing going on here couple weeks the uh, last saturday in april is the beginning of trout season here in the up anybody getting after like brookies one week eh? what is that one, one week? week one week one and a half yeah. weeks it's yeah. getting close it's crazy doesn't seem like they were looking at snow no no it's still the Dude, bay is still frozen over and you can go ice fishing but somehow and yeah, we just talked about ice yeah. leaving so hopefully i hope so <laughs> don't bring us back down <laughs> but yeah brook trout season um i don't even know if the brown trout season starts the same so it's always brookies here you know yeah. brookies in, is the UP yeah. thing yeah we're in the yeah. central up and brook trout fishing is is like the the king of fish to a lot of people up that, here that yeah. don is something i've severely kicked your ass <laughs> well it does take yeah. a special breed to walk through cedar swamps and don yeah. and so, tag all their so swamps. don was giving hey, a... hey, 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 hey. <laughs> Easy. so here in the central and eastern up right these rivers are a pain in the butt to fish all right oh, yeah. i'm not saying oh, that i'm like the like weak mentality you're not but, the swamp whisperer but these it's you're snagged up every other cast you spend more time cutting line and retying than fishing and you're getting attacked by mosquitoes and and not mosquitoes like you normally think i, mean, I know you probably hear the kind of stuff all the time i mean they're yeah they're freaking hummingbirds and there's millions of them there's been times where for my work where i have to walk from my truck to my tractor and i have to put Doug, bug dope on and a head net to go you know 30 feet across otherwise, the driveway yeah or walk, if, you have to close the garage door in your house because you'll get carried away by mosquitoes <laughs> yeah. but it's not for the weak of heart and there's just some days where i am the weak of heart apparently <laughs> but no but brook trout fishing um, trout fishing in general it's uh it's coming up obviously the beginning of Beginning of season up here, and we're just kind of speaking for the Upper Peninsula, um, the beginning of season a lot of times can be tough fishing. 
Lots um, of water. Lots of water. Yeah, we're talking flooding. runoff, and we're going to have it again this year. It's I mean, still you, melting. There's still a foot of snow in the woods a week before the season. So it's there's going to be plentiful food. There's going to be tons of water everywhere. So it does make the beginning of the season tough, but it doesn't mean you can't go out and do it and still have success, but it's just not as good as it's going to get when the water starts receding a little bit and those fish really start pulling up. But, uh, but yeah. But what about coho, though? Yeah, they've been hitting the river mouse now, I hear, lately. Can't wait for ice. Staying with steelhead. Yeah. Even I can catch cohos trolling. I can't catch <laughs> anything trolling. Yeah. Sounds like they've been a little slow through the ice. Through the ice has been slow. Yeah. yeah. But this is the time to catch them. This is about yep. as good as it's going to get besides trolling. The once, ice is getting ice is out, The ice but. is getting punky now, so now we got to wait wait to get the boat out, but are you going to come up? You gonna invite us I since all, I got, it's right in our backyard? I got all my stuff ready to go. Really? Yes, everything. All my trolling rods are relined. I got my boat. Rod holders are in it. The snap or the bass boat? Ah, the super snap. Super snap. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Don's gonna get his motor fixed. Otherwise, we're gonna be trolling with an electric motor. We're going on. We're going Lake on Superior. two year, two or three years of getting my motor fixed, and yeah. it's still not fixed yet. So I'm Someday. gonna. I'm gonna guess I'm gonna be calling Coulter up and asking him when he's going up to Munising Bay. So. Yeah. Um, we need to go to the garden and perch fish too. Oh, that's another thing. Perch. We're kind of jumping all over yeah. the place now. We got bass, brook trout, call, but a big deal in the spring. So though, much right? fishing. Yeah. So, so much little fishing. time. This. This is why I mm. apparently was not in a turkey hunt. But, um, so yeah, there's a, a couple of great perch fisheries. Uh, one, we can say it on the podcast here because it's no secret, and you'll know it's no secret when you go out there and you got to throw your bumpers off the side of the boat so you can bounce <laughs> off the next boat. But uh, Or find a spot to park. Or find a At pot, the one boat park. launch. <laughs> At the <laughs> one boat launch that has one spot. But Kate's Bay down in Garden Peninsula um, is just an unbelievable perch fishery, and I hope um, that'll continue. Although... It might be helped out a little bit. Did you see um, that state of Michigan reduced their 25. Yep, 25. So we from just... 50. From 50. Uh, that's been forever. I don't even know when. Yeah. Great, great grandpa was keeping 50, you know. Yep. Yeah. So it reduced... So it should help some of these very uh, obvious, fun, but yet... I, I don't want to call them vulnerable. They're vulnerable. But uh, yeah. <laughs> these, these spots. But yeah, so just tons of fun. Um, great family activity for any people that are in the up or uh, what'd you what'd you catch a 43 inch northern there perch fishing last year how big was that one 41 inches 41 41 41 inch northern on a uh four pound test ultra ultra light rod um (laughs) fought it for uh 40 minutes and did get it in the boat so well legally we did get it in the boat but we got it in the boat you're not supposed (laughs) to keep them you're not even supposed to hold them up for pictures i heard but we held it up for pictures. <laughs> so, but yeah, it was a forty-one inch northern. It's it was a quick in there. catch and release. Yeah, it was yeah. quick. It was, had to it get was, it up to get catch, the hook out. picture, yeah. immediate release. But no, um, yeah, that actually happened right down there in Kate's Bay. Um, and you know that that pike was in there feeding, feeding on perch. Forty-one inches. Forty-one inches. Sounds like some of the smallmouth I catch. <laughs> we'll see when we take it. <laughs> That's awesome. I heard they might be adding a a new. Uh, launch to the north north side of the bay really yeah i mean nice break up at least the launch in a little bit yeah that's an unbelievable i'll invite you for that you can go perch fishing with me 
Good, because it's been a while. I've never been invited to do that either. Yeah, yeah that, <laughs> last year you invited somebody you didn't even know, like from right. Illinois or something. <laughs> They're coming again. It's, <laughs> Typical. It's like Coulter really doesn't like us or he just is really scared to fish with us because he doesn't want to face the truth that he's a subpar fisherman. Well, I would tell the do. brook trout story Don, but we'll save that for midsummer. I'll what's the brook? What's the brook trout story? So the brook trout story. So Don, I was working at one point. I actually had to work for him. That's right. Don't forget it. <laughs> so I, was, I, was, I was working for Don, and you know I I love to blab, and I came in. It was probably a Monday or something, and I'm talking about all these brook trout fish I caught, all these brook, brookies I caught, and just slamming them, you know. And Don was like, "Why don't you ever take them?" You know, just as he's doing now with these smallmouth, you know. And, it's going to be the same result, but he's... Hey, I was newly married. I had better things to do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Four kids speaks for that. So he was, so he, was uh, he was giving me some crap, you know, like, you never take me brook trout fishing. And I even told him where I went. It wasn't like I was trying to be secretive. I'm like, you know what, Don? You know what? Saturday morning, let's go fishing. So a couple days, you know, work week goes by. and Don shows up or I pick him up. I'm not sure what happened. And and Don comes fishing and, and, and being the gentleman and just just very nice person that I am, I let Don Ladies. go ahead of me. So we're working upstream and, and, and you know, and, and we, we, when I say stream, I really, truly, truly mean stream. You know, there's step just, over it kind of stream. It's yeah, it's very small. So I let Don go in front of me. Just, you know, letting him get the first crack at the holes and the deadfalls and laydowns and, and we're in a you know, and, and to kinda of lay the framework for where we're at is in the middle of a just godforsaken cedar swamp. There is mosquitoes, there's blowdowns. And Don just wasn't quite ready for that kind of fishing. And I don't know the exact numbers, but we'll just, to kind of hold, to not throw Don under the bus too much, he was severely outfished from behind him that day. <laughs> Would that be a true story, Don? Partly true. Partly true. <laughs> Only partly. He was severely So, outfished. yeah, after my first few snags and getting used to retying, Coulter just took off and got in front of me and <laughs> <laughs> fished out all the holes. So I gave him an opportunity. Your line. After yeah. five minutes of watching me get stuck in the trees because <laughs> I was probably fishing with a six-and-a-half-foot bass rod or some, <laughs> something ridiculous. <laughs> So. Coulter took off and yeah, he came back with his creoful and I was standing there, <laughs> probably trying to get my my hook unstuck out of a tree. So, <laughs> but that's that's brook trout fishing in the central UP. It's not exactly fly fishing territory. It's definitely worm dunking territory. Um, but there's a couple other cool things going on as far as fishing goes, and we've been on fishing for a lot longer than I thought. But I guess we like it a lot more than. You know, then we realized, (laughs) but it definitely gets the uh, shit talk flowing. But (laughs) smelt dipping should be coming up in the next couple weeks. And if you've never done that, um, that's I've never done it. I've caught them through the ice, ice fishing, which is cool, but I've never actually, well, I take that back. I've dipped once or twice, and I've caught about one smelt <laughs> in, in three different trips perfect smelt don't run like they used to back in my dad's day apparently no, because no. they talk about just uh, obscene Rivers amount of smelt black. yeah exactly yeah, yeah. and we it's went supposed out to be getting better though the last couple of years last year was good promising. you could actually yeah. get your 
two-gallon limit. Yeah. This year sounds like maybe it's not going to be quite as good. They're Based running in the east end, I heard, already. Yeah. So it should right. be pretty soon moving this way. Yeah. I want, I'm going to do it this year for sure. be my first time. You, you guys it. never smelled it before? Never smelled you're it. You're a youper and you haven't smelled it. I know, you I know. You're not a youper. <laughs> you might have drank a maybe, warm PBR. Maybe, but maybe, he's maybe never, that'll put me over the edge. He's never shot it. a bear. He's, there's a lot of things that were, you know, quite Have you caught a brook trout? I've caught brook trout. In a stream? Oh, yeah. Well, that's a rock. Oh, yeah. Yeah? All right. Oh, yeah. Okay. We awesome. caught some nice brook trout in the lake last year. Oh, that's cheating. <laughs> I, oh, won't, that lake. I won't name the lake. That lake? I, oh, caught, I showed you that lake. I caught nice brook. Yeah. I caught nice brook by <laughs> myself in another lake though too. Yeah, Ooh, but it's lake. a 15 inch minimum in that lake. And hey, I have to throw them it's back. too much clues to be on it's a, a podcast. You can okay. narrow it down okay. pretty quick. Nah, <gasps> Shh, quiet. Could have been anywhere. Brook Charleston, they don't exist in lakes. <laughs> But no, I'm I'm excited. I got a I got a smelt net for my father in law. I was gonna ask you what your favorite yeah. smelt dipping nets were if you went with the the old cone shaped or the folding basket. See I got a folding basket for free that I'm gonna try out. But I feel like the cone's like the traditional UP thing. So I I don't think it's a UP thing. Maybe not. Yeah, like it a, might just be a, a smelt traditional dipping smelt thing, dipping but, thing. Yeah. But that's OP. that's what I have in mind when I think about smelt dipping and I don't know anything about we'll smell. See. I'm not going to go smell dipping. No? No. You aren't going to even try it once? No. Just once? No. Just no, I mean, once? No, I have nothing against it. I just, got, <laughs> just to see how it feels. I just got better, I just got better things to do at midnight, like sleep. Yeah, yeah that's, an, that's one thing about smell dipping. If you've never done it before, it's kind of like that midnight to 3 a.m. kind of thing after yep. dark. So no. it is a late yeah. night. No, but, I'll be getting ready for ripping lips in the morning. Sleeping. <laughs> Culture's gonna be sitting on Tinder. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> Didn't you hear Bumble's a new thing? Oh, Bumble, I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah. I've been out of the game for a while. So. Yeah. Well, I'm back in it, and Bumble's where it's at. <laughs> there you go, you can find that's Coulter Lubin, Lubin. Bumble, or whatever else there is. You know what, though? <laughs> Let me tell you a little something about Bumble here. For Farmers <laughs> meat. Yes. I don't know. No. For, all, <laughs> for all you listeners, ChristianMingle.com. <laughs> There's that. But for all you listeners that are maybe still trudging the waters of singleness, um, get deep. Yep. <laughs> nope. This is the little hot tip. Bumble does not allow pictures of dead animals. Yeah. Mm. So you're allowed five pictures, right? I think. I, but you're still on there supporting sh- them, huh? Just don't. <laughs> 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 you know, guys, gotta, you know. But no, so yeah. I, uh, I put my five pictures up there. All five <laughs> were denied. So I went on to view Perfect. my profile, make sure, like, yeah, how am I looking on there? You know, I have no pictures. Just a blank I'm like the profile. Cre- I'm like the creepo in. with just, just the name. Screaming. You have the gray and white face. Gray and white the face. Generic guy. Just, so, a, just a creepy and it, and it's like shadow it, man. But did it work? And it said you violated our use rules. I'm like violated the use rules. I'm thinking I haven't violated I was, anybody yet. I was clothed, and and I went on there, and I sent him an email out of disgust for the lack of support for us hunters that are out there trying to find huntresses. So, that was that. So, just so you know, oh, fish are fine. Fish are okay. Mm. 
No dead animals. The double standard. Because fish standard. aren't animals. They don't feel pain. No, they don't. Yeah. It's true. It's scientifically proven. <laughs> so. Okay, moving on. Science. Okay. <laughs> moving on from Bumble and Tinder and dead animal pictures and how... Coulter Lubin, single, available on Bumble. And Tinder. <laughs> and he's Swipe got, right. He's got pictures of no, no dead animals, apparently. Tinder. Anyways, keep going. Anyways, one last fishing thing. Sucker spearing. Cody's all Sucker fired spear. up because he likes to do that oddball thing. Sucker spearing? I, I have not speared a sucker yet. Sucker spearing, I... for all you who don't know, is a very Michigan-rich tradition. <laughs> we actually have a video on our YouTube site of sucker spearing, which is pretty cool. But it, it's, it's a tradition, especially in those small farm towns across the coast, man. Those suckers run and... Everybody's out, out late night spearing suckers. It's With lanterns, right? Lanterns, headlamps. It's pretty yep. cool. I actually, now that you said it, I did yeah. do that. It's, up. it's a good time. It's a great time. Um, I'm excited because we got an area that's a bunch of basically ditches that were dug for for agriculture, and then that never worked out for them. So it's public land now. Because it's the UP. Yeah, because <laughs> it's the UP. It's not good farm country. Um, but you go in there in the spring, and there might be 30, 40 eagles all lined up waiting to pick off the suckers. You find carcasses all over. Um, but we haven't actually gotten in there and, and tried spot. spearing. Of course. Super secret. <laughs> of course. <laughs> but borrow, borrow well, You don't want to send people to these spots and then have them be total duds. Like, well, that's <laughs> not like most Like most of our experiences. <laughs> <laughs> that could happen. Uh, well, yeah, borrowed a spear last year but missed the run. For where we were at and where we were looking, so it's early last year for some reason. Yeah, well, and the snow held on so long that we would have had to take a snowmobile in to go spear suckers yeah. for the most part. <laughs> they got tired ridiculous. of waiting for the warm water. They just ran. Yeah, they ran. So, so I ended up buying a spearhead and making a spear and making a frog gigging spear because you got to try that out too. So yeah, she never uh, have. Yeah, I, I I usually just use my hands, but I'm I'm game. Fishing pole. Let's, let's try. Let's, yeah, yeah. With a hook. I did that for turtles, <laughs> for hooks. So, but yeah, so I made a sucker spear, and I'm I'm excited this spring to try to get after them and actually spear some, and maybe try pickling them, try to dissolve the bones, and see how that works out. So. We'll see. I don't know. I, I haven't done it. Don's done it. You guys have a video, don't you? Yep. I just mentioned that. <laughs> Actually. You did? I didn't yeah. hear you say that. Well, you got to pay attention, man. Okay. Get you some hearing see, aids. So like you, guys have, you guys have a video from from the thumb? From the thumb area, yep. Um, suckers running. There's tons of small creeks that they just fill right up during this time of year. So they're actually right. running down there right now if you want to make a trip. I know. I I'm tempted. Knock, knock it <laughs> off the list, right? There's not very many things you can throw a spear at. So, <laughs> although apparently on hunting shows nowadays, there's more and more things you never yeah, thought you could yeah. throw a spear at. Got to go to Canada or something, <laughs> <laughs> some lawless land. UP. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so fishing, lots of fun, lots of opportunity this time of year all over our great state of Michigan. And with that, we're moving on. You can't, yeah, we're going to no move on. No more fishing? Nah. No more six and a half pounds small. That's okay. it? That's, That's you all you catch? One, That's all you catch is six and a half pounds. <laughs> no 41 inches, Cole? Jeez, man. <laughs> yeah.
We'll move on. Mm-hmm. One more fish. Anyway, spring brings with it new birth. <laughs> Things start growing. New birth. Fawns start dropping. Turkeys Maybe. are gobbling. Birds are singing. Bass are biting. Colter drop. <laughs> you wish. <laughs> but one thing that's Perfect. near and dear to us, just because of what we do and what we like to do in our spare time, especially me, is habitat projects. Deer hunting. Oh, yeah. Starts right now, right? It's already it. it starts as soon right as the snow gets now. off the fields. It's going to be great. Started. And it left this week. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, Coulter, you don't own any property. Nope. Well, you do. You own 20 acres. Of swamp. Of pure central UP swamp. Un- unplantable. Unplantable. Did you get your timber cut this year? No. Did not? No. Okay. So no habitat improvements done. It. Oh, I prune my apple trees. Very nice. Yes. Very nice. Trees. But I stumbled on 80 acres. 20 of it is a hay field. I've converted some of it into a food plot, which was gangbusters with does last year. <laughs> <laughs> no antler bucks. Yeah. Well, there was the spike. Spike. And the one eight-pointer that came through in the middle of the day while I was working. During rifle season, nonetheless. But that food plot is going to get a little revamped this year. We did the soil test, right? Poor. Poor soil. <laughs> pH of five. Five? Yes. The guy. How'd you get anything to grow there? Rye. Oh. Rye grows. <laughs> but it is a pH of five. The the MSU extension, um, extension gave me a, a, like a recommendation letter what to do there. They said, don't plant anything <laughs> until, you, until you until you fix that soil because it's just it's terrible it'd make a great parking lot <laughs> yeah, exactly sandbox for the kids right sandbox, yeah. makes great dough habitat but so last year i worked it up for the first time and who knows how long i limed it and fertilized it probably not enough lime is what it needed because I'm poor. <laughs> because I'm, be, Did because I bought for, 80 acres, okay? Did it call for four tons to 2.3 tons per acre. Okay. So I might not have been five, but it was five, 5.3 pH. Bad. Not good. No. So I put as much as I could afford on and threw some rye down, and it actually turned out really good. Deer liked it, which made me like it, even though... There was no bucks. Different conversation closer to deer (laughs) season. But this year I'm planning on disking up that rye here this spring. (coughs) Throwing some buckwheat down. Right? Who gave you that idea? It wasn't you. Could have been you. (laughs) No acknowledgement. Trying to do that rye buckwheat Uh, rotation here to try to build the soil up while still providing some wildlife benefit and then i wanted to pick your brain coulter because you know we are kind of in depth with this kind of stuff yep plant that buckwheat right in the spring yep june in june yep 
Isn't Coulter going to clear cut his cedar stand in a deer yard? We talked about that. <laughs> we talked about that already. I heard, By the time I heard were, a little bit. You were outside there. <laughs> just be like it should be revisited. <laughs> that has nothing to do with, uh, with food plots, okay? No. Maybe no, he wants to turn it into already. a big food plot. I mean, if he put a 20-acre food plot right there, that would probably be gangbusters. Pile it and plant it. Oak, oak, oak supplemental planting. So, buckwheat... Yes. Okay, I'm yep. going to let it go. I was yep. going to disc it up in the fall and plant rye again, yep. but I can't afford it. Trying to put an addition on the house because these guys have alluded to four kids. <laughs> and the house is smaller. Right now. Well, you only so, have three, but there's one in the, three and in a half. the oven. Yeah, um, yep. One in the one oven. In the oven. <laughs> one in the oven. <laughs> exactly, which is due in September. So yeah. time, Ooh, money. You did that it's all gonna be Wasn't it like November last time? No, it was April last time. <laughs> it was November the time before that. So. <laughs> That's right. Both of my kids were in the fall. It was perfect. Right. I can't speak good, from experience, good but I don't know if I'd screw that one up. But anyways, keep going. <laughs> but, but I don't know if we've hinted at this enough through these first two podcasts, how long and harsh the winters are up here. <laughs> it's a barren wasteland. <laughs> <laughs> There's not a whole lot to do. These last winters have been pretty, pretty you know, painstaking. You're in the house a lot. <laughs> the Valentine's Day will just get you. <laughs> Valentine's oh, Day. Here, I thought you were going to talk about some great winter food for your food. Oh, no, no, You're no, talking no, about just, putting just, babies in the oven. I'm baby talking making. about <laughs> how, this, baby how babies happen. <laughs> <laughs> That's how they happen. This is how hunting seasons are ruined. You, <laughs> <laughs> UP winners result in a higher proportion babies. of fall babies in the UP. It's science. Look it up. So, anyway... <laughs> buckwheat in the spring okay yep. and i was thinking about just mowing strips and discing strips in to that food plot and maybe doing something else in the in august maybe so leaving oh, maybe the buckwheat. leaving the buckwheats re- standing for most of the food plot but then mowing in strips of and then planting like rye or some other oats maybe something that doesn't need great soil to be able to Grow fast, quick, and provide good nutrition and hunting opportunity. What say, what say you? Why leave the buckwheat? Because I can't afford to plant the whole food plot. <laughs> it's two-acre right. food plot. <laughs> this is what I would suggest if you're going to do that. Maybe mix in some clover? Yes. Yeah. Because that clover because will that buckwheat, still grow, right? That first frost is over. It's done. Do, they, do the deer eat the seed heads or not? Not really. Not really. I've spent a lot of time hunting over them. They don't. Turkeys do. Turkeys like it. Chickadees like it. Robins like it. Songbirds love it. Yeah. But deer, not so much. Okay. But the clover underneath it. So that, if you're going to do that, I'd throw in a little, you know, medium red clover because there's not much else other clover that's really going to grow on your property. <laughs> <laughs> With a pH of five. Five. It's probably up a little bit, right? But so then here's yeah. the thought though, do the math. Maybe not enough though. But do the math. Five, yeah. five. If you're gonna if you're gonna, you know, plant clover with Rye's it. Rye's cheap. Well I know, but if you're gonna plant clover with it then if you do the the cost analysis you might as well maybe if you're gonna spend that money you probably could just disc it all in and plant it all back to rye. I'll think about <laughs> it. I'll think about it. But another yeah, thing Mix in some other stuff just to give them some variety. Although, there's not that much up here for deer to eat. 
that no, time where you're at. Where I'm there's at. a reason there's every deer on the block is on your rye plot. It's grass. <laughs> it's grass hay. There's no other agriculture there. A little bit of corn. A couple very fields little. of corn. Very by little, by right. very little, he means literally, <laughs> probably forty acres, within ten square miles. Ten square miles. <laughs> so, totally different world up here as far as agriculture. A lot of grass hay for beef. That's about all it is. So they love they love them some winter rye. Mm-hmm. Anyway, but I was also thinking of trying a screen because, like I mentioned. My food plot is a 20-acre hayfield. It's within a 20 acre. It's within it, and there's a corner of it that's nearest to my woods, um, farthest away from the road. That is the food plot, two acres of it. Long, skinny strip, a lot of edge there. But what I want to do is plant a screen around that two acres. To, and I don't know if I'll be wasting money. But I want to get that buck, if there is a buck, out there <laughs> when I can buck. hunt them things. Because I could, so I could, to, sit, in my, I like, could sit in my kitchen and watch that food plot all October. And there's 12 does every night and their fawns in that field. And they didn't seem to care that they were stepping out into a 20-acre field. Mm-hmm. But if I can screen that thing and provide that there security may cover. Maybe a buck that might come in there. <laughs> maybe I can hold a buck there. When I was trapping out there and caught that coyote, when I was too I was, many of them, <laughs> too many coyotes, <laughs> too many coyotes. <laughs> when I was on my knees pounding in metal stakes as loud as could be, I had deer. I don't know, 40, 30 yards away from me. The two, they were the two fawns. Well, yeah, those right? ones were that the were closest there all for the time, sure. yeah. all year. But we had groups coming through the woods and popping out into the field. So at least as the does and fawns go. They're not too concerned. I think they're getting pretty used to you being out there and yeah. you're driving your quad out there. But, but a, buck, a buck's another story. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And all, all you people out there in podcast land that do hunt, <laughs> you're thinking, what is this dude's problem? He's got a dozen does and a food plot every night, all deer season. There's a foot of snow on that food plot, and they were coming out and just pounding that rye. Simple as can be, right? Rye cheap, super easy to grow. What's the, what's the, why can't this dude kill a buck? It's because there is no buck. <laughs> <laughs> so true. <laughs> One big old spiker just trying to right. beat them all. <laughs> all a rut. Five, six trail cameras all over the place. One picture of a buck. For yeah. one and a half days, November and he wasn't 16th. even with a doe in either. Of them. November sixteenth, right? Sixteenth and seventeenth, and I was working. That's it was one o'clock in the morning, or one o'clock. Sorry, one o'clock in the afternoon, strolling out in the middle yeah. of twenty-acre food plot or two-acre food plot in a twenty-acre opening, and I'm at freaking work. I guess and then that's. He leaves I guess forever. that's. Yeah, and then he never. He, he leaves and never comes back. I guess that's a story for a lot of us. Wrong place, wrong time. Not for me. But here I was. I was banking on it all. Yeah. Right. I was banking on it all last fall. Oh man, these does. Be some rut action here. No, never happened. (laughs) No. So your screen's gonna solve that. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Has the potential to help the problem. To help. Yes. I mean, what else no, can agree. you do? You can't transplant bucks onto your property, so you make it 
as good and safe as habitat as possible. But do, do yeah. you talk about how we're gonna set we're gonna set up your tent in the screen? No, I'm gonna put a I'm gonna put a tree stand up in my beautiful Norway pines. The ones that are thirty-five. <laughs> if you've ever Norway seen, pines. if you've ever seen the Escanav in the moonlight, it's all about the Norway pines. The ones yeah. at thirty-five bears, yards from your house. Bears as tall as them. No, no, they're they're right on the edge of the food plot. That's you've got a you got a tree stand in the one, right? Yeah. Right now, right? Right. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I'm gonna put another perfect one cover in the food plot. You can sneak up into it, and you'll be able to get into it without a deer knowing you're there. They're not native though, so they suck. And another sorry. another yeah, <laughs> but they they grow well. Unlike it's also native, a unlike the, spruce. Unlike the native things, nor, yeah, whatever. <laughs> Trees grow. <laughs> Another thing I haven't I haven't told you guys yet, but I got this big old stand of dying ash trees in the middle of my property, mm-hmm. and you guys are gonna come help me clear cut it. Mm. You told us this now, like, what? Why not this winter? It's a little hard. There's water because there was four and a half feet of snow in the woods this winter, and you fell up to your waist in snow. <laughs> we'll wait till the I thought it'd be more of a, a, a safety hazard, but. Are we going to build brush piles for rabbits? We can, with the tops. Ooh. Ooh. All right. Now we're talking. But I'm, I'm thinking coming. we can... I was going to hinge cut, but dead ash and hinge cutting, probably not a safest idea. I'm thinking of just yeah. clear cutting it, selling the firewood, oh, and yeah. then I'll give you guys a Brown little, little cut, you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I got a 12-pack? At least. Nice. But not yeah. while we're cutting, it's a safety <laughs> answer. Oh. Oh man! And letting that letting that grow up should be pretty good deer habitat. Oh yeah, try to guide them in. Let's yep. do it. So tops, brush piles Perfect. for rabbits. Yep. Firewood, little structure to them. Firewood to sell. Yes. More money for more food plot seat. For uh, house. <laughs> oh, kids. Yeah. Oh. It's for the for the house. <laughs> for me, for me, it'll be beer and food plot seat. Yes. So. You can spend it however you want, but I just gonna do like the okay. house. The Your house cut's thing. going to the house. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Family first. Family first. <laughs> okay. Except when your car gets stuck in the mud. <laughs> it's a '97 Saturn. I think you can go anytime, and it would be cool. <laughs> you tried <know>? real hard. <laughs> Sometimes you just gotta give her, man. You just gotta give her and hope for the there. best. I've been there. And it didn't make it very far. <laughs> All right. I've had a Ford Explorer up so, on two wheels. <laughs> That'll happen. <laughs> we're going to get a little more serious here. Okay. Because it's getting goofy. You guys are getting goofy on me. It's getting too late. You mentioned before you were pruning your apple trees at your property. Yep. Walk us through that. That's a big part of Habitat Projects. A lot of guys plant trees, and then that's, that's it. They so, walk, yeah. They walk away from them. So what, what do you I, want to do to pro, to propagate them so to give them the I've best chance? Kind of in um, and and this is kind of what I part of what I do for work. Um, and we've we've learned from some great people that manage orchards and yeah big areas how to do this kind of yeah. stuff. So we're not just talking talking out the blowhole here. Yeah, <laughs> no, this is no, this is serious. And I think that you know all people out there. I think that especially in the last. I, you know, probably 10, 15, 20 years, you know, habitat work and, and work for deer and work for turkeys and, you know, especially those species, I guess, that we pursue, those game species, 
has become really a forefront. Um, more magazine articles, publications, people talking about it. But people I, have gone from just hunting to being like stewards of their stewards own of their land, yep. habitat managers. But I think yeah. that with that, um, because it, it's it's happened so fast that some people don't not not out of neglect or not out of laziness. They just don't quite know what they're doing. So they put a tree in the ground, and the most one of the most popular species that that I see planted. Is, is apple or crab apple or, or your soft mast um, trees. And, and I've noticed it just driving down the road and, and having lived in this area now for five years is I've seen tons of trees planted. I, and this is, this is entirely true, I'm not lying, I've not seen a prune tree. Um, now, now there's trees out there that are being pruned, but I've seen very few newly planted trees pruned. And I think that there's a couple of reasons um, for pruning of trees, and, and you can, um, we'll maybe have a video or something later um, down the road about how to do this. So I won't get into the specifics, but the reasons for pruning fruit trees, such as apple or crab apple, is for optimum growth. And when you plant a tree for wildlife, you're planting it for fruit production. The tree itself, the you know the trunk, the limbs, the leaves, don't do much for wildlife. It's that fruit production that happens five to ten years down the road. And in order to optimize that fruit production, you really need to get that tree started in the right direction, which is up. Um, and you really need to get them growing in a, in a way that's going to produce the most fruit. Um, so I won't go into any specifics on how to prune, but that's just kind of one of the maintenance items of habitat work is if you're going to plant trees, know what you have to do to take care of them. If you're going to make that investment, you got to well, yeah, follow 20... through with it. I mean, it's not, it's not a cheap thing to do to plant five ten apple trees you're talking a couple hundred bucks at least yeah they're 25 i mean i I guess you can say like if you're gonna plant a a tree that's you know five to eight foot tall five to six foot tall it's gonna be 25 dollars for the tree you know that that's probably your you know or more depending on you know where you buy it from whether it's bare root or potted etc um so i guess you know pruning is one thing and the other thing is just sheltering your trees because you are planting a tree that's um it's a fruit tree so even if it's not producing fruit, um, the, the, the bark, the tree trunk, et cetera, is very, um, you know, it's uh, for voles and for rabbits, et cetera. They, you know, fruit trees are, are they're wanted. They're, it's know, great browse. It's great browse. Mm-hmm. So you need to keep them from being girdle browsed. Because, them and browse yep, them they and... girdle and browse them. So you want to shelter them with tree wraps. And there's all sorts of makes and styles out there. Um, sheltering it, whether it be with just, you know, two by four welded wire um, or chicken wire, etc. There's many different ways you can protect your trees. And the other thing, and then the pruning, which happens in the wintertime. And the other thing is just, and again, we talked about this, uh, optimizing production is fertilizing. You know, people fertilize their lawns to make it look green and luscious and great so that when you have all your neighbors over, it looks, oh, look at my great green lawn. But you should be out there doing the same thing with your trees that you're planting for wildlife. Um, and, and there's different guides to where to look at for how much to how much um, fertilizer to put. Um, you don't want to fertilize, you know, say the first year. But after that, you know, you should you should really be, you know, going online and doing some research on the specific species that you have a tree and how much fertilizer that you can put on that tree because it's really going to optimize growth. And the quicker you can get it to that point where it's producing fruit is the sooner it's going to benefit um the wildlife that you planted it for. So there's just a couple things to keep in mind, and that's um, some things that, you know, this time of year, I actually just went around to 100, around 120, 130 trees today and fertilized them all. 
and they say May 1st, June 1st, July 1st. So I'm a little early on the first one, but you know, what's a couple, you know, a couple weeks here. Um, so you just, you know, want to, want to fertilize those trees a couple times a year, um, during their greatest growth time, which starts now, they're really starting to get soft budded. They're starting to grow. So, so Coulter, generally speaking, food plots come with a specified fertilizer recommendation. Yep. Right. Yep. Depending on your soil conditions. What's your general specification for fertilizer for a fruit tree? Well, triple 19. Or triple eighteen, whatever your local feed mill. So that's the um, <clears throat> that's the you know the type of fertilizer that you're going to use. So if you go up to the counter or go up there, you know triple nineteen is what fruit trees take, and uh, usually a couple handfuls per tree three times a year. Half a cup. Half a cup. Yeah. Half of a red solo cup. Yeah, half of it. Yeah, I usually do. You know, I use my hands because I kind of got it you know down now. But yeah, it's about half of a um, red solo cup mm. per tree at the beginning and some people um <clears throat> put holes around the tree and then put it the put the um, fertilizer in the hole i actually just broadcast it around the tree and the key is don't throw all the fertilizer right by the trunk that's not where it's growing from hmm. when you look at a tree you look at the tree branches the roots go out as far or further than the the outermost branch so i usually sprinkle that fertilizer in a ring on the outside branches of that tree. And you know, and I try to fertilize just like you fertilize your lawn, just do it before it rain. That's why I did it today. I was out there anyways doing a couple things and it's supposed to rain, it's, well, it's raining right now. I can hear it raining on the roof. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's raining right now. So um, so yeah, it's just a couple things to keep in mind that you know people put a lot of time, a lot of effort and a lot of money into these initial habitat work, you know, whether it be food plots or fruit trees, oak trees, um, conifers, but really just try to, try to just do, uh, just maintenance, maintain them. Um, as you're going forward, you're going to get the most bang for your buck that way. So, put in a little effort now, and the reward's a lot better later. Yep. Especially with a tree, that thing's going to be living for you know as long, long as you're going to be alive. Long past, probably will be there. So, um, that's great. Um, there may or may not be apple trees here that have not been pruned or fertilized. Culture since they've been planted last year. So. Well, I got something. a little bit of that in the truck right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So something to work on here. Yeah. Let's see. Yep. I've done the same thing at my house, mostly just for for me and the family to eventually eat, you know, not for yep. habitat because there's a bunch of wild apple trees. But what are some things you can do to those existing trees on your property, the ones you didn't plant? How can you take care of those? Prune those too. Prune them? Yep. Big mature tree. What's the first thing you want to do? Take out dead wood. Take out all the dead wood, right? Yep. And the thing um, to remember, we're a little late to the pruning game right now um, in April. You can still do it, especially the dead you wood. You could still, the dead wood, definitely. Yep. That's not going to hurt a tree. Mm-hmm. But for live pruning, the live branches to get better production, probably something you want to do during the dead of winter yeah, when yeah. that tree is completely dormant. If yep. it starts growing and you start cutting it, you're going to hurt that tree. You're going to yep. You're going to damage it. And you're going to do more harm than good. So if it's getting late, just wait till next year to prune yep, those live branches. You have to branches. prune a little harder and prune a little more. Yep. So, um, yeah, a little bit of work now. Pays off a lot later, um, especially for your habitat. And like Coulter said, it's a huge investment when you're planting trees. And the little bit of effort goes a long way. It's nice getting access to a property that 
somebody already did that for you, right? It's set up and like like here we had a couple mature apple trees that were producing when we yeah. when we came in and I know your house, Don, you've got a bunch a of mature apple, apple trees, trees that were already established and yep. it's pretty nice to be able to walk into that, you know, and, and you that's think what about I spent down all, the road. Yep. Hopefully that's what your investment now is gonna exactly. come up with. Yeah. And I spent all last winter, not so much this winter because of the snow depths, but last winter, just like what Coulter said, just pruning out all that dead wood, giving that those uh, live branches more room to breathe, more sunlight for uh, better apple production. Um, so one last spring thing to get into here, trapping. There's still some trapping going around, and Cody's our resident trapper, even though he's only been hard at it for a few years, but he's getting better. Um his stories he tells me he gets just more and more stuff and he's starting to figure it out a little bit except for fisher which <laughs> don um, is the fisher I'm, I'm of the, fishers I'm the fisher of fishers <laughs> take note it's kind of a unique i'm, the, I'm just the fisher thing. guy here it doesn't yeah. matter if it's small mouth or, or the fisher, the fisher. He, he the I fish things. Fishes. I don't know. I fish them. <laughs> it's weird, but it works. <laughs> but this time yeah. of year, you can't catch fishers. What what can you, you do? You I'm, we're still trapping here in Michigan. Yep. What are you going after? Yeah, so it's kind of kind of a dead period for most things, right? The the ice is starting to go out of a lot of the bays and a lot of the a lot of the areas where people are ice fishing. You can't quite get into brookies or smallmouths yet. The season isn't isn't open unless unless you're somehow going after smallies for the catch and release right now. Um, but one thing that is open is trapping otter and beaver, and so it's a pretty fun thing. Especially, I mean, for both of those, it's a lot of fun in the spring. Most of the otters I've caught have been in the spring when they're out cruising, looking for new areas. Um, this time of year too, on all these like little feeder feeder streams and areas that you might have access to that aren't great for trapping in the fall they might be really good in the spring because two-year-old beavers are the ones out dispersing dis yeah they're dispersing they're out looking for new areas new new streams to dam up new pond you know ponds that were abandoned to take over as long as they got good food sources so it's pretty neat um you know last year i trapped quite a bit um Kind of in the central central up i guess <laughs> central central um for a guy who you know this time of year water is running like crazy things flood out and uh i mean he had so much flooding that he had water coming in pouring in through his basement so i went out and trapped for him and caught i don't know at least a few beaver cruising through you know one was probably a resident that was really giving him problems a couple were dispersing through caught a nice otter um, caught a few muskrat and beaver sets. You can actually keep, I think, up to ten muskrats. Incidentals. Yeah, incidental in muskrats and and beaver sets. You can't be targeting them, but you can still keep them. Um, so typically, the beaver and otter season up here goes till I think the fifteenth of April, which would actually be done a couple of days ago. Today's the seventeenth, um, but on designated trout streams, you can go till the end of the month, and pretty much every. For the most part, most of the streams and rivers up here are designated trout streams. You have to kind of check online, but a lot of them are. So there's a lot of opportunity unless you're trapping on, you know, a lake or a pond or, or something like that that's disconnected from from waterways. But it's a lot of fun. Don and I, what was that, a few years ago, we ended up catching, that was my first otter. We were trapping in the spring, 
didn't know what the hell we were doing yeah. <laughs> years ago. Wading through the snow, yeah. like, oh, look, a beaver beaver uh, <laughs> yeah. hut or beaver sign, beaver dam. Oh, look, an otter slide. That's cool. Yeah, and I ended up <laughs> setting on, I think it was where a beaver was just coming out of the water and chewing on sticks, you know, and set a 330 on that and caught my first otter. And we, yeah. I mean, we, we were absolutely dumbfounded when we walked up to it. So just going from that point to now, you know, being able to, hopefully target them target and, them, and, yeah. and know what the hell you're setting for i mean it was cool that was one of the that was a very fun day a very exciting day to be able to to snag an otter so we're uh we're having fun beaver prices you know fur prices have been not great the last handful of years um right now beaver i think are around like eight bucks for, it's a lot of work a beaver. To it's a skin and flesh of beaver for eight bucks it's but. a ton of work you're i mean you're trapping them's not easy because you're getting in the water you're getting you know elbow deep in in mucky water sometimes um and then you're catching them you're hauling out a heavy heavy beaver you know the biggest one i caught's like 55 56 pounds <laughs> pretty big animal to haul out of the woods then you got to skin them, you got to flesh them, you got to stretch them, you got to dry them, you got to put them up, and then you got to go take them to a, to uh, somebody to sell them. So eight bucks isn't a whole lot <laughs> to cover your gas and, and all the calories that you burn trying to scrape the things down. So um, we've been seeing, you know, it seems like there's a lot more problems associated with beavers, a lot more nuisance issues where they're flooding people's uh homes or or timber property exactly their their food plots that they put in you know might get flooded out and it's garbage and they just wasted all this money so um definitely being it you know being a trapper and being able to hit it you know before you have to actually have somebody request a nuisance permit and maybe get to keep them or not or you know if it's in the middle of summer the first garbage you can't sell it um so it's nice to be able to target it in the spring when when it's still worth something well, you can do it during the normal season and and there's you know we're we're before turkey we're after ice fishing we're before brook trout and smallmouth fishing we're we're kind of in this middle area where you can really get out and hopefully have some fun you and, know going after beaver and otters and so. with that though you're saying for price are down so there's not a lot of people out trapping Absolutely. if you're looking for something to do and you want to have a lot of fun and you're just doing it for the for the love of being outside and doing something in the springtime when, like you said, there's not much going on right now, it's a great time to get into it. Yeah, there's a no shortage of places. There's you're no shortage of places. To exactly, try. you're yeah. not you're not hurting for places to go, and you're gonna probably have them to yourselves because most of the hardcore trappers that just you know aren't doing it for they're doing it more for the money to cover their costs of of trapping because it is it can it can add up quick. They're yeah. not out there right now because it's not worth it financially. No. But if you're doing it for like the just the love of being outside and getting to something new and trying something new, it's there. I mean, there's lots of opportunity there. Yeah, yeah. And right now, I mean, the main the main drivers that have a little bit of money behind them are coyote because they're using coyote trim for fur coats, or well, for coats in general, and they'll do that fur trim to kind of seal heat in, and, and it looks cool. Uh, Martin are, are pulling a little bit of money too, you know, something decent for people to, to sell. Um, otters aren't bad. I think they're about maybe 35 bucks an otter. So if you do happen to catch one while you're out, you know, hunting beaver, <laughs> looking for beaver, um, you know, it's a nice, a nice little paycheck to help out with your gas while you're running the trap line. It's, it's one of the only hobbies where you can actually make back a little bit of the money that you put into it you know, hunting, deer hunting or, or something like that, you, 
you can throw a lot of money at it and get none of it back. <laughs> yeah. And if you shoot something, besides, then, besides oh, let me spend venison, 400 right? bucks on a, on a shoulder mount, you right. know. And But, yeah, getting your own meat is, is huge, especially if you process it. You can save a lot of that money. and It's a lot of it's, dollars per pound, though. Absolutely. <laughs> it, it can add up in a hurry. So so it's it's pretty neat. Trapping's a unique uh unique thing like that i mean predator hunting you can you can do some of the same stuff but you probably aren't going to put up numbers like you are trapping at all um so yeah and and in the spring when it's only beaver and otter and with beaver prices so far down i mean you really do not have competition out there it's it's a great spot to a great time to look for new spots stake your claim um you know go go dig in, go explore, right. and, and go try something new out that maybe you haven't done or, or you haven't hit very hard. So Beaver makes good table fare, too, believe it or not. Absolutely. I've, I've made pulled beaver, you know, in the crock pot with some barbecue sauce, made sandwiches. It's great. Don and I have a – we're planning we need a fall beaver to do it, but we want to cook up the tail. Yeah. Supposedly the, the, the mountain men were the all about Steven that. Steven Ernella special. Yeah, yeah, yeah the Steven Ernella special. So – we gotta we gotta try some beaver tail, but definitely beaver quarters and backstraps are are awesome. They have definitely a unique flavor, but but it's it's good. It's not it's bad. Good. It's yeah. not a bad one. Yep. All right. Our last topic for the night. Wrapping her up. Which seems like we've been talking a lot longer than our first podcast, which was twenty six minutes. <laughs> we'll, we'll see. Hopefully, there's still <laughs> someone listening. Um, <laughs> One of my favorite radio stations up here is 92.3. And in the morning, they play Big D and Boa. <laughs> and they're all over the country, so it's not just a local thing. I'm sure a lot of you people out there listen to them. And they're hilarious. They're great. I, it's it's awesome show. But they always joke. Oh, and our 17 listeners. <laughs> I think we might be doing very well <laughs> if we have 17 <laughs> listeners. So if you're one of those 17 or if you're one of those two or three, Seven, you know, two, one. You know, if mom, if you're out there listening, <laughs> we appreciate we it. We really appreciate it. <laughs> mom, I like it. We, we need those five-star reviews on iTunes if you can help us out. We're getting there. We're figuring this out. We're it's fun. We're yeah. just having fun doing it. But the last topic we want to talk about, and it might actually pique interest for a lot of people, especially in the state of Michigan, is we're going to have our first guest speaker on the podcast. And that Mr. Speaker is Jordan is, is Jordan <laughs> Cook from back home where I'm from in the Thumb region. Um, if you followed the news much, you know, in the last um, few weeks um, for wildlife in the state of Michigan, Jordan was able to, to trap the first lynx that's probably been caught in a hundred years in the state of Michigan, um, down in the Thumb region near Harbor Beach, Michigan, on the east side. Um, we're going to have him on and talk talk us through how that went for him and the process that's it's gone on since then. Um, it's the first confirmed sighting of a lynx since 2010, and that was in on Sugar Island, which is on the the east side of the UP in Lake Huron. Um, and it's an island close to Canada ish. So, you know, and this was in the thumb region downstate, which is weird, but it's also weird that a Wolverine showed up yeah. in the thumb, like in um, the early two thousands and lived there for seven years before it died. It's like the Bermuda triangle in Michigan. It's the great, it's, it's the great place of the state. I tell you what, yeah, right. everything cool is in the thumb of Michigan. 
And then that's the why you had to leave. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh man, that would hurt. <laughs> that was that was that was good. <laughs> Which is why I'm here with you in the UP now, right? <laughs> but we're gonna have him on the on the show where you were gonna talk about the links, and it's it's actually been recently brought up from the Detroit Zoo up to our neck of the woods here, and. Um, the central EP and release to live out its Link's life or move on to its next area of, uh, you know, whatever it's going to do. It's going to live wherever out. Wherever it sets up wherever shop. Wherever it sets up shop. Yeah. So. I can't wait to ask him if he was wearing his MAGA hat when he caught it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've seen that on the picture. Yep. Yeah, right? Make America great again. <laughs> Travel links. <laughs> trap on trap on <laughs> so with that um stay tuned for our next episode we're going to have jordan on there talking about the links that'll be the main topic because it's, it's been a cool one and it's got a lot of publicity in the state for a good reason because it's a very unique animal yeah. and it's definitely it's one of the coolest things to happen as far as wildlife in michigan in a while just because of the uniqueness of the whole thing um it's been neat to follow it for the last like month. Yeah, I mean, it's, the Detroit Zoo had it for what three weeks, checking it out and making sure that it wasn't somebody's escape pet. Yep. <laughs> and yep. it sounds like they hopefully figure that out. And... We have a lot of background on this links in the course of a month, you know, and it's yeah. it's been a, it's been a neat story from when it was first spotted um, down in yeah. Sanilac County, moved north along the coast, where it eventually got into. A little bit of trouble and was trapped and and now it's brought back to the the glorious up <laughs> where hopefully it can't get into trouble yeah, <laughs> not too hopefully much trouble. it has room to roam where it can it can do what it does you know <laughs> so with that um we're gonna thank our partners um first and foremost this week is backwoods grind coffee company and as we mentioned we got spring fishing. We got turkey season. We're talking early mornings, late nights. Coffee. Gotta have it. Drink yeah. it up. And Don and I are a long ways away from our turkey hunting spot. <laughs> so we get up at, I mean, 2 or 3 a.m. Yep. Every time we go hunting down there. And it sucks. Yeah, we <laughs> so, lots of backwoods. Bring the backwoods yeah. on. I'm ready it's for be it. big. Yeah. <laughs> great coffee for a great time. <laughs> <laughs> But, and also Moxie Archery, um, yeah, we're going to be, we're going to be slaying the turkeys with my bow this year. I think Coulter's going to be shooting too. you just too. get a new I did. Moxie? Well, I didn't get it yet. Oh, okay. He's, he's waiting on it. Coming. Okay. Waiting okay. On it. It's in the box. Oh, that's exciting. It's in the All box pumped. waiting for it. <laughs> and then Common Hunter. I heard Don's paying for it. <laughs> You heard wrong there. <laughs> you heard, you wrong. heard wrong. That's for sure. You owe me money, by the way. <laughs> Common Hunter, um, Fourth Arrow Camera Arms, Windscent, Leapers Inc. Under the Gun, and a new addition since the last podcast, which wasn't that long ago and is really exciting, is Onyx Maps. We use that a, we use that a lot on our own. Every and, oh, yeah. Every day. For work and play. And uh that rhymed, Don. Yeah. <laughs> see how I threw that in there. My mom was also my teacher when I was growing up, so it's paying <laughs> off. <laughs> but uh 
Yeah, Onyx Maps. We yeah. use it for work and play every single day, and it kind of came out of nowhere and caught us off guard, but, oh, man, we're excited about that. Big, big play in what? Public land. We hunt a lot of public land, especially up here. We use it all the time, and it's it's going to be a game changer pretty much, and it has been since it came out. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's huge up here, and then we're hoping to – well, we're planning on going down to Wyoming. We are going <laughs> we're to going Wisconsin. We're going down to Wisconsin <laughs> this fall, and then the following fall we're hoping to go to Wyoming. So all of those – I mean, to, to go into a state completely blind and try to figure out where to hunt, where you can hunt, where you can't, and – and where where are good spots? Onyx and the best way to be do it is huge. with Onyx Maps. Exactly. Yeah, Just scout from your bed. So much scouting. <laughs> right from your scout right from, from your, your phone. Exactly. <laughs> your bed. Yep. From Tinder to Onyx. Back and forth. <laughs> that, that should probably be their new Logan. <laughs> that's, I think that's Coulter Lubin's slogan. slogan. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> to you scout right from your bed. <laughs> for girls and for hunting land. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the life of a bachelor, eh, Cody? Yeah. Yeah. We should move on. We got to go to bed because like. we got to go to work tomorrow. All right. With that, we're signing off for TKZ Outdoors podcast number two from the UP of Michigan. I'm Donnie Brown, Coulter Lubin, and Cody Norton. Good night, everybody. <laughs>